0: Hello and welcome to the Let's Talk Azure podcast with your hosts, Sam Foote and Alan Armstrong. If you're new here, we're a pair of Azure and Office 365 focused IT security professionals. Each episode, we talk about a specific topic in the space. This week, it's episode five of season three. We're going to have a chat around confidential computing in Azure. If you have a strong focus on confidentiality and trust, or you operate in a regulated industry, confidential computing aims to provide zero trust principles, to your virtual machines so you can protect yourself against advanced threats and collaborate with third parties securely. Hey Alan, uh how are you doing?
1: Hey Sam, I'm not doing too bad. How are you?
0: Yeah, good, thank you. Uh season three, episode five already. Um it's it's flying through now, uh which is good. Uh, we seem to be having good feedback on on the podcast as well and, and good listen numbers um as we've as we've come back.
1: Yeah well if we're aiming for uh, 20 episodes this season we're a quarter of the way through yeah that, that is way. actually yeah <laughs>
0: definitely yeah I, I i haven't i hadn't thought about it like that to be taken honest with you um yeah because yeah we we generally tend to do 20 episode around 20 episode chunks don't we um of, of seasons to get a couple of seasons in a year so yeah so uh, it's, it's 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 flying through um right let's let's dive into this uh topic um i'm going to be taking us through um uh, confidential computing solutions in in azure um it, it's not an area that we have um uh, d- deployed into production um yet but it's an area that i have been um sort of investigating over the past few months um because what what i'm what i'm trying to do is uh, to provide um, more confidential and secure uh, options to, to to our customers, and to uh, really understand how we can take um, you know uh, especially um, IaaS infrastructure as a service um, uh, resources uh, to the next level of protection.
1: Yeah, I think some of this we may have touched without knowing it. We've actually Definitely. done it recently. Yes, so uh, without
0: a doubt, yeah, hundred percent.
1: Okay, so let's let's get into this then. So, Sam, can you give us uh, an overview of yeah, confidential computing for us.
0: Okay, so if we if we think about some of the more common protections that we've got in place uh, in the cloud, uh, we, we've we've traditionally thought about encryption at rest. You know, um, making sure that when we store our data, um, it, it's encrypted, um, so that unauthorized access. You know, should anybody have access to say? Um, that disk um or, or any other area inside of azure that, that can be encrypted um that we've got some level of protection um in there and also some in some way some some level of protection you know within azure is as well um and then we we also talk about encryption in transit so we're talking about you know uh, tls um encryption a- across the wire and 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 making sure that our flows of data you know in and out of Azure and also in and out of different services inside of Azure is is fully encrypted. Now, uh, you know, a lot of the regulatory compliance frameworks, you know, uh, really um, leverage um, encryption at rest, encryption in transit. Um, But one area that is less commonly um, uh, thought about, uh, from my perspective at least, is when data is in use. Um so so it's great that when we communicate in and out of, say, a virtual machine, uh, things are encrypted and you know uh, that that disk is encrypted as well. But what happens when we're actually running our applications and workloads and our data inside the virtual machine? So things like you know uh, the memory that we're using um and and really understanding how um we can protect ourselves against different you know uh, threats inside of that environment? if you if you're if you're familiar with zero trust principles mainly in like identity and access security it's effectively um applying zero trust principles but to infrastructure and application um application environments you know what what we're, what we're aiming to say is you know can we trust the hypervisor that we are with we are running on um can we trust the azure platform that we are running on you know, now we obviously have, you know, an inherent level of trust with um, Microsoft um, running our our services. Um, but in some industries, some regulated industries um, may say that you cannot trust Microsoft, even if you you, know, you yourself and your organization do you know entrust Microsoft with your um, with your data. We're not talking about uptime and reliability. We're actually talking about uh, data confidentiality and, and protections, you know, on on that data. So some of these principles for some organisations are an absolute, you know, a- essential part of their of their um, of their world and their workloads.
1: That's, re- yeah, that's really interesting because you know you, you talked about zero trust as the way that I've seen it. At least it's been you know access to services things like that like you said and about the device you know being trusted and, and things like that so thinking of it from a from a hardware almost a hardware perspective in some form is uh another you know another viewpoint of that
0: yeah because if you think about you know zero trust in terms of somebody's end point right you know that endpoint is in the control of um somebody that you you know, you trust, you know, we implicitly trust, you know, the user that's, you know, um, got access, you know, to, to that machine. And we can put protections in place so that user can or can't do certain things on that device. Um, but what, you know, you know, the custodians of our IaaS virtual machines, you know, is, you know, Microsoft and Azure. Um, and, you know, f- from my perspective, I've got no reason to to distrust them. Um, but into when you're talking about, you know, absolute security and guarantees of data confidentiality, you know, um, you do need, sometimes you do need technical interventions to make sure and, you know, and, and actual confirmations that, you know, nobody else can get access to, you know, not even if they are, but, you know, a- absolutely that that can not happen. And, and Azure gives us, you know, uh, three different levels um, to that confidential computing stack
1: okay, so you so you mentioned three levels. Can you give us an overview of those three levels?
0: okay, so i'm I'm gonna start just with uh, virtual machines infrastructure as a service. um there is a PaaS offering as well um uh, which I'll talk about I won't talk about as in depth as uh, virtual machines um because I think we could do a whole other episode on that as well. okay, so level one is um what they refer to as trusted launch, trusted launch. Um, is very similar if you've if you've heard of um, ver- uh, trusted platform modules TPM, secure boot. Um, this is ex- this is effectively the exact same technologies that are being um, utilised um, here. So when you create a when you create a virtual machine inside of Azure, there's a drop down box which is called security type. And you can, I believe you can just have, I think it's called standard is picked by default. And what you can then do is you can change that over to trusted launch virtual machines. That's going to enforce secure boot. It's going to also enable a virtual um, TPM for you as well. What we're trying to protect against here with this is the boot sequence. So from boot to you know um, operating system loaded, that the integrity of that boot sequence is maintained so we are we're, we're protecting against firmware rootkits uh bootkits driver um rootkits um and kernel rootkits so anything that could be injected as that you know boot sequence um happens um and i think what is in what is important to to note about um this is is this is very you you may already be using this right um you may you, you may have already enabled this and in terms of an impact in you know f- for your virtual machine it's very low impact um you, you do have a reduction in the number of marketplace images that you can pick from because they have to be secure boot you know uh, enabled and there are some other li- limitation, uh, limitations that I'll also talk about as well um, but what we're ensuring is is that we're ensuring that that boot sequence is is um, is is protected. Um, and what we can also layer on top of that is is we can also layer a defender for cloud um, on that. And what defender for um, a defender for cloud can do is it can give you trusted launch attestation. So what attestation is doing is it's checking to make sure. Um, those enhanced security, you know, features are um, uh, if they are enabled, and performs attestation to make sure that they are actually being enforced and the integrity of those um, th- those those solutions is being maintained. So you can effectively have layered on top. You can have Defender for Cloud constantly checking to make sure that the integrity of secure boots and your your TPM is 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 being maintained. Um just to talk about some of the um uh, limitations of it, um Azure, Azure site recovery is currently not supported with um trusted launch. Um the the there is no ability to do nested virtualization um with it either. Um so it's there are some that can do of um, um, nested virtualization, but there are only certain SKUs. But the majority of SKUs um, can't do that. Um, it is available in all regions, and you are going to have a reduction in, you know, different types of VM sizes. So A class A series machines aren't supported, but the main ones are B series, DC, you know, uh, DV four. Like uh, you know, the 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 more I would say, like you know, standard, you know, production-ready instances are going to be, you know, available, and you're going to, you are going to have a reduced, you know, operating system support. Obviously, great support across Windows 10, Windows 11, Windows Server, and in terms of, you know, Linux um, and 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 Debian, we've got Ubuntu, Red Hat, uh, Debian, uh, CentOS, Oracle Linux, and and that sort of thing
1: okay that's that's quite interesting because then when when we were talking about avd the other day in effect because we're using windows 11 multi-session and windows 11 requires tpm we'd we'd enabled that so in effect without sort of knowing we'd enabled you know this trusted launch side of things so it's starting to sort of Standardize against you know the endpoints as well around you know windows 11 requiring the tpm and secure boot and things like that and just bringing it to the to the uh to azure
0: yeah exactly yeah and i i think you know if you are already uh, to me you know the very small number of limitations that you know trusted launch brings you know to you um there's 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 massive upside there and like you say you know certain operating systems now have the standard that they require these you know these these provisions to be in place you know we've talked about you know well all the versions of windows 11 you know i believe you know requires tpm you know um and and i, sh- I assume windows 11 also requires secure boot doesn't it it must do right yeah i'm guessing so yeah so um so, you know, if we take those learnings from endpoints, you know, and, and best practice from, you know, in, in modern endpoints, we're now applying those into Azure um, 100%. Okay, um, so that's sort of the first level, and that is a what we would term as a lift and shift, you know, um, uh, a change. You know, um, your application doesn't have to change at all. You know, your operating system, you take the provider that you trust um the hypervisor azure and you trust um the you know the administrators that are in and the users of that operating system um completely um but it does give you some level of um uh, uh, protection and also you can you know um you can you can do attestation to to verify the integrity of, of what is going on there um level 2 is um, takes that a step further. So we have um, confidential virtual machines. Confidential virtual machines utilize um, AMD processors, um, and the technology is called SEV and SN SNP um, technologies within inside of um, AMD um, uh, CPUs. What that is doing is providing mem- memory integrity and encryption of memory all the way down to the CPU. So it's the data in memory and inside the processor state that is fully protected. What this is doing for you is it's giving you protection from Azure. So um, Azure platform, Azure administrators, and the hypervisor that is running your virtual machine. So if we think of the, the layers of a you know a virtualized host you may you've got you know the underlying hardware and firmware that is controlled by amd intel you know etc then you have you know uh, the bios then you have device drivers then you have the hypervisor cloud management software and then you have your virtual machine you know layered in on on top of that so confidential you know uh, virtual machines is giving us You know, those four middle layers, the the BIOS, the device drivers, the hypervisor, cloud management software, all of that doesn't have any access to processor data state or memory data state either. So we've got a direct, you know, a protected link straight from the virtual machine down to the AMD hardware as well. So you would have to distrust, you know, the actual hardware that you're running on at that point. Um, because your virtual machine has a protected uh, way to communicate with it. So,
1: so on. So, if we we're talking about non-cloud on-premise, we would trust those layers because we are, you know, the, the the organization owns that and looks after it. So, there's a there's a level of trust there where within Azure, whilst there is a level of trust, um, it's not your organization like owning it, and you don't know what protections are in place i guess
0: well yeah i i was thinking about this um and because it's my assumption is and i haven't looked this up is that you could also run this on-prem right because it is just it's amd tech right and i assume it's hyper v and and all of that you know do it doing the glue in between i, I believe it's actually the because there's separate images, right? So I think it's actually the operating system, right? So I was I was thinking, sort of uh, thinking the, the other day about, you know, if you did have a... If I was an application owner, right, inside an organisation, would it also be correct to apply those principles in... You know, because traditionally on-prem, yes, you would control, you know, you, you can physically control the infrastructure and you also... You know, there's people inside your organization that also the control those various layers, right? Within with mm-hmm. inside of it. Yeah. So yeah, I would completely agree with you. Traditionally, it's inside your fortress. You trust everybody inside your fortress. But then I sort of applied sort of, you know, insider risk thinking, you know, and mm-hmm. I was and I was just kind of like, well, if I'm an application owner, so so one of the examples that they use is um like um health care data. So if you take your um, your health records, um, that is obviously highly sensitive, you know, personal data to you, right. Versus, um, maybe other auxiliary sort of, um, systems like appointment booking and things like that. Right. You know, so this is a convoluted example, cause it's probably not like this. There's probably loads of confidential information <laughs> in appointment booking, but let's just pretend <laughs> that like, um, appointment booking is, um, like booking, you know, let's say you're booking your flu jab, right, at your doctor's, right? And let's say, you know, you say, I'd like a flu jab, and I would like to come in on X, Y, and Z date, you know, for my flu jab, there might not be inherent, you know, uh, really highly confidential data in one part of, you know, that organization, but in another part of the organization, you know, you might have really, you know, highly confidential information. So if you said, like, you know, if you had like your groups of users and you said like the doctors are the only people that can, the doctors and the nurses are the only people that can, you know, view patient records. Um, But the uh, scheduling assistant can only see, you know, um, the appointment, you know, booking slots that have no, you know, uh, patient data inside of them. Um, So I could imagine that even in like an an on-prem environment, you might say, okay, well, we want to protect that conf- highly confidential, you know, health data against the infrastructure admins, because even though yes, you're the infrastructure admins, but you should never ever be able to have access to that data. That even if you are, you know, quotes, you know, global administrator, you know, that doesn't give you the right to be able to view that that data and to also verify that you you don't have access to that data. So, I i i i as i was as i was yeah researching i saw many different like use cases for these types of technologies so i think more increasingly that is actually being applied on-prem um, a, a, as well for those types of protections
1: yeah i guess i guess <clears throat> think about it that way as well is whilst you do have the insider risk of a, an employee i guess you got the other th- the potential of a bad actor being in your environment and compromising that device and then accessing that data without accessing the vm sort of thing so there is
0: you are putting layers in terms of like lateral movement inside the organization right hop to hop to you know the, the crown jewels you know so to speak so yeah it did um this whole this whole and this is why i i i sort of um decided to do an episode on it because it really sort of Sounds a bit cheesy, but it really challenged my thinking in terms of you know how those, you know those different layers of you know security really should work for different types of workloads because you know we 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 see it more in identity and access that that sort of world right but you know but this is and from end the endpoint side but this is actually like data that's being used you know um, which is also important to protect. so this layers on on top of trusted launch, so you've still got your you know your secure boot, you've got your TPM, so you've got your you know boot into 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 operating systems. so you are also controlling that as well. The, um, now the numbers of um, images are going to reduce down as well because I believe there has to be changes to the images to actually support this AMD technology and to do that link between the virtual machine. And the CPU. But um, currently I'm seeing nine um, images, but they do cover Windows Server, I think 2019 and 22, uh, Windows 11, um, SQL Server, and Ubuntu as well. So there's, you know, unless you've got a you know different flavor um, that, that you're accustomed to, um, it's pretty well supported. Again, this is a lift and shift technology. You know, you 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 don't have to change your application that's running. You know, this is an infrastructure, you know, change and, and a skew change. Um, but what it still doesn't do is it still doesn't give you, um, it still doesn't give you um, protection inside the operating system. So we're still talking about, so inside the operating system, we are still a, you know, uh, this is our fortress is inside the VM, um, we still you know implicitly trust our, our um our like admins and and people that are, are working inside of those systems um it's worth calling out um as well that um there are some limitations with this with this system as well um we are we are we are looking at no um accelerated network um support so if you require that that's you know um going to be uh, an issue for you uh, also nested virtualization is also not supported in this um scenario um as well um so it's, there's just a few uh, but if you have looked at confidential vms in the past um the limitations have really dropped um, when i was investigating um, it looks like when uh previously when it was released and 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 you know different versions for the hardware there are a lot more you know actual um actual limitations there so um so things have come a long way in inside of its journey um uh, that that's for sure
1: yeah i guess there's been some more um processors that support it and things like that and microsoft have uh, um, improved or included more skus into the into the data centers
0: yeah yeah exa- exactly and um just just to make you aware as well um those azure, confidential vms undergo attestation as part of their boot phase um so it's again azure is checking to make sure that those virtual machines are booting into um into the correct uh, modes to give you give you that level um, of protection um and there is a there's a um a guest attestation i think it's an extension that you install um, that actually runs um a, as part of that um you can't also um switch a non confidential vm to a confidential vm you you will have to rebuild your your virtual machines but not your your applications
1: and that's because like you said it's to do with the operating system as part of it is is part of the operating system as well as the the sku that it sits on
0: exactly yeah okay and the third level which is you know uh the highest tin foil hat mode that you can possibly get to um which i think is actually pretty cool uh this mode is um secure enclaves um with stx so SDX is a technology created by intel so there are only intel um skews um and what is What is interesting about this is you can run these SKUs without trusted launch, because what's happening when we're using secure enclaves is we are effectively running the code and the the data for our application in a secure enclave um, directly connected to the CPU. So if you um if you imagine you've got an application running on a server that is obviously using the processor to do um you know uh, cycles of data processing loading data in and you know in and out of the CPU uh, rapidly to do you know computations and, and calculations and then you've also got the data that's sitting in the memory um for 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 that as well so what a secure enclave allows you to do is run that code and that data inside Uh, you know, a protected sandbox with a direct connection to the CPU. And that is each app independently. So what's great about this is, is you theoretically don't, in terms of a, in terms of the data that's running, you know, on these workloads, you don't even have to trust the users and the admins on those machines, because even inside of the virtual machine, you do not have access um, to to the memory and the data that's running through um, being processed on the CPU. So, but so, so so effectively, you could theoretically run this without any trusted launch because the it it, it doesn't inherently um, trust the operating system in which it's being run. So um, so. So you don't have to enable secure boot. You theoretically don't have to enable secure boot in, you know, TPM unless your, you know, operating system um requires that. So your application is going directly um to the CPU um to, to, to run. Um you the obviously it could be quite an obvious downside is that your app has to be, you know, um uh, modified to support um uh, this this technology, there are some initiatives um, and SDKs around that. So there's the uh, there's Open Enclave, the, um, the Ego SDK, Intel have their own um, uh, SDK a- a- as well, um, and um, there's also the Confidential Computing um, framework uh, a- a- as well. Um, just give me one sec. I'm just going to
1: so. So this is kind of bringing in the, um, if I think about from an endpoint perspective, this is bringing in the, uh, starting to bring in some of the similar, similar things around like credential guard, where that's being isolated from the operating system so that you can't scrape credentials from it. And then I guess an up from that is the you know application guard where it can, you can put um, Edge, Chrome, uh, Chrome, and things like that into a container to stop you from, leaking data this is going to the next level of having an application that you run on a server and having that isolated from the the operating system as well as you know the hardware in effect or it's yeah in effect and then so you know that it's you know anything running in there it can't be compromised
0: or yeah so so or, if you if you imagine a whole process can be completely isolated you know from anything else that's, that's running. So the inputs and outputs could obviously be, you know, sniff from a, you know, if you're writing to, you know, a disk or you're, you know, um, mm-hmm. sending, you know, uh, your outputs, you know, to and from uh, the machine. But the actual underlying sort of intellectual property of that application is protected. And one of the big um, sort of uh, selling points of this is that you can, um have intellectual property uh, collaboration between two parties. So let's say I'm organization A and Alan, you're organization B. Um, Me, organization A, um, I create a machine learning model and a, you know, um, a black box that, you know, draws pictures or, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, completes code for you or, or whatever it is. But let's say you want, you know, organization B wants to license that from me and run it on their own hardware. You know how can I trust that you're not effectively going to, you know, run my application, you know, inspect my process, look at what's being loaded into memory, and you know, protect against that? Because we've had obfuscation of, you know, um, of um, of code and of of data storage mechanisms for for a long time, so there's there's good protection there. Uh, but when you're actually running that process, it's relatively trivial to inspect the memory and to reverse engineer from a memory perspective so what we could do is we could both agree to use um sgx um technology to 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 protect my intellectual property but you still get the value of licensing licensing it from me um, or running it from me and, and getting value from it so so you know, when you are running in a, I'll call it a hostile environment. You know, I'm not saying that organization B is inherently trust, uh, you know, untrustworthy. Um, but you know, when maybe your your business, you know, your the value of your business is completely centered around the intellectual property that you have. You know, putting protections in place to make sure that that can theoretically never have any implications to your business is a really powerful, you know, tool that you can that you can utilize.
1: Yeah, I guess it kind of opens um, uh, when you're concerned about that sort of things. It's opening up more doors, more ways for that collaboration, getting your product out there to be bought, used, you know, utilized, that sort of things. So that's really
0: good. Yeah, yeah, because you could just put a limitation and say, I only want you to use, you know, uh, DC SKUs inside of Azure because we're going to use Intel SGX. Like, you know, we require Intel S- XGS to uh, XGX. To um to, to protect against that, um, so I I think it's also worth noting that in the previous versions, in version um two uh, uh machines and and SKUs, um you could actually only could only actually support one hundred and sixty eight meg of encrypted memory at the highest level, so it was actually quite restrictive in terms of what you could you know uh, use into there. But I now believe with version three and above. You can go to 256 gig of encrypted memory. So actually, you know, the amount of the workloads that you can actually secure now, you know, are a lot more varied. So this does give you the most confidentiality, you know, um, but it's definitely not lift and shift. You know, you have to, you know, uh, change your applications. I haven't even looked into that process, so I can't even, you know, um, uh, comment on that. And the only other uh, just point that I just you know wanted to, to to make around this is there are some limitations. So let me just bring up my list of limitations. So certain things are supported and aren't supported. So nested virtualization again, none of these <laughs> none of these things like nested virtualization because you can kind of <laughs> kind of understand um, why. And I think the other big one. That's important for this one is hyperthreading is not supported either, so which is an interesting you know take on it because um, there's uh, that could it you know that could limit some you know performance you know because there are only specific skews for for this one.
1: I I guess that's because the in effect hyperthreading is virtualization of the core anyway, isn't it? In effect so you can't trust that virtualization in theory i guess Uh, yeah i guess so (laughs)
0: yeah i know i i had i i didn't i didn't actually have the time to look into you know the underlying platform limitation and 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 from what i can tell um sgx is you know just part of intel processors. so again uh, my assumption is, is this can be run on prem if that's you know also how you want to you know, slice things up um, for complete application You know, isolation. Um, so, yeah, so they're the three levels, really. So you've got, you know, trusted launch, you know, um, virtual TPM, which, you, you know, some um, operating systems require now, um, and also secure boot, you know, booting integrity, you know, the loading of the, the operating system. Confidential VMs, um, if you don't trust Azure, anything in between you and the bare metal, um, confidential vms are a great way to lift and shift your workloads into a you know a confidential environment and then if you want to go you know absolutely to the max and you require complete you know um complete um oversight of those your 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 processes that you're running um s g x is 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 the way to go there um, to to fully secure um, and i just wanted to also quickly talk about the Azure Attestation um, service, which is effectively a service running, the Azure runs um, to, to verify the integrity of these technologies that you're actually running. Um, so you can, I believe you can verify them inside the virtual machines themselves, but from a management and a reporting perspective, Azure Attestation is doing a lot of that um, heavy lifting for you, you know. So it's making sure as the the machines are booted that they're going into the correct states and the correct, you know, the integrity is being maintained. And you have got things like, you know, uh, Defender for Cloud also reporting back and and feeding into your security posture uh, as well. The last area that I just wanted to talk about briefly was um, platform as a service because we've just talked about infrastructure as a service. I'm not going to go into this in too much depth because. Uh, I I do think it could be its own episode. Um but this is where it really comes down to deployment models uh, uh, as well. So um effectively platform as a service in terms of confidential computing is confidential containers in, in Azure. So what what would what we're seeing here is a um enclave aware containers in Azure Kubernetes service so you can run azure kubernetes service and your workloads inside of you know inside of there in a secure and and managed way now you know organize you know the container um the containerization of workloads is a is a conversation and a complexity in itself right you know um but some of the of the benefits of going through that process is you know um really fine grained control of resources, orchestration of resources and management of them at scale, right so you effectively chunk up your applications into isolated containers you manage them and don't manage the underlying infrastructure you have a your own infrastructure to to orchestrate deploy and manage you know those workloads. so if you effectively think like another level on top of the operating system to 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 manage that. Um, and you've got continuous deployment and you know different things uh, there. And it can also really help if you have, you know, different um languages and frameworks that you use to build your applications. You can have isolated containers where different product teams can work and you know uh, you don't just have to be like a dot a net shop or you know or X, Y, and Z, whatever it is uh, that that you've got. Um so so Azure does have an offering to um to make Azure Kubernetes Service uh, enclave aware um, t- to give you that um, full isolated process down to the hardware level. Um, again, um, I'm not going to talk in too much depth, but what can w- one area that I can really help with is also multi-cloud support because those containers um, run on top of you know, um, let's say Kubernetes, it is possible to run multi-cloud workloads with that. So you can have interoperability of where you can run those workloads, if if that makes sense. You can get the power of, you know, SG, uh, SGX with containerization of those, you know, applications and processes, um, but without the, you know, the inherent um, downside that you have to invest in Know, wrapping all your applications inside of um sgx but i think i'll do a whole e- other episode on confidential computer and aks because if you don't uh if you don't know kubernetes and containerization um we have to do a primer on that first to understand uh, really i i think to truly do it justice um what's going on um there
1: yeah definitely it's um it's good that um it's been exposed to both sides. I mean, normally, you know, there are, that it does, but um, sometimes it's, it normally starts in one area. So it's good that it's now in, you know, platform as a service and the, you know, the IaaS side. So...
0: Yeah, well, we, 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 I think, you know, from my perspective anyway, I've, you know, I, I previously lived in just the PaaS world, right? You know, um, I I I saw very i mean there's loads of it out there obviously but i personally saw very little you know i you know um uh, deployments in my time as a as a software developer um and so you know it when you are talking to those regulated you know industries they are um they are very very hesitant around you know data storage and data processing you know um and having the, you know, the approach to both sides, um, is, 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 is vitally important, you know, from, from my perspective.
1: Yeah, definitely. Okay. So to enable this stuff, you know, what's it cost, you know, is it, there's a, is there another cost to it?
0: Okay. So, um, effectively you just pick the correct SKUs that support you know, that SKUs are virtual machines that support this technology. Um, I I did do a comparison and it is comparable to other, you know, virtual machine costs per, you know, ratio of, you know, CPU um, and memory. The confidential VMs have two SKUs, which are, you know, general purpose um, DCA um, instances. And then there's ECA, which are memory intensive um, ones the the enclave's ones only have dc versions so if it's dc and then a number then it's intel if it's dca it's a general purpose amd for confidential and if it's eca it's a memory intensive for um amd i, I as of as of recording there's still no memory intensive um versions of um of enclaves with um, at SGX. So um, there are, there's still a good amount of SKUs in that. But, you know, if you do have some specialist workloads, um, they're, they're, they're not supported. Also, no GPU workloads either um, in those SKUs. So if you have, so a, a lot of these, you know, um, a lot of workloads now are accelerated by um, graphics cards as well. Um and there is there is technology that is emerging um if not you know uh, ready to go where they are now doing secure enclaves with uh between CPU and GPU um as well for completely, you know, um all the way through those, you know, they, 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 those those controls. Um that there is technology um coming through for that. And but I'm I'm not seeing that in Azure specifically um at the moment
1: i was i was gonna say i expect that the reason why they're not there is because the technology the the securing part isn't in the the pretty you know, the the gpus and, and things like that so but as you said you know it's coming because it's it's becoming I, it's probably partly because of this but i expect it's probably more for the gaming industry to stop people manipulating stuff maybe within the the games, yeah, as
0: well. I, yeah, I, I thought it was going to be all um, machine learning model like acceleration, okay. but, but I think I think the GPU side is more um, for training of machine learning models than it is actually running them. So you know, you, so once you actually deploy them into prod, um, you, you would effectively then just use those models, I believe, through the CPU. Okay. Um, so I think that's why, yeah, but it, but apparently that is, that is that is a thing that is that is going to happen.
1: Okay, cool. So we kind of talked about it a little bit, but uh, level one, two, and three—you know—are they they easy to set up? I mean, it sounds like level one is like it's sort of a no-brainer. If you if you you know you got that skew, you can just like in you know, effect you know, a couple of clicks and it's done. You don't have to worry about it.
0: Yeah, if you're if your um if your image that you want to use is supported. And you can also make your own images from their base images as well, Um, is supported. Then I think, uh, personally, I think Trusted Launch is an absolute no brainer, you know, because we have, you know, um, user endpoints that have this stuff enabled. Like it makes very little sense to not have it also, you know, in your infrastructure. Level two um, does restrict down the number of uh, images that are there. Um, so there is a potential, but from a setup perspective, you are just clicking through the portal like you would anyway. So it's not really, you know, causing too much, you know, to to to, to go on there. Um, and then you've got yeah the guest data station as well, but that's it's it's definitely not complex to set up. I think the complexity comes in the limitations that you're going to see. You know, um, maybe you want a specific you know, um, skew of instance or something like that, you know. Um, maybe you want to use burstable instances, you know. That's not going to happen for you, you know, uh, and things like that. So you're also going to be driven by cost as well um, because these are, like, you know, proper instances that um, you got to pay for. And then SGX obviously is the highest, you know, um, barrier to entry because you've actually got application changes um, that, that you need to make, and you're also then... You know, you are limiting yourself to only ever running on though you know, Intel, you know, processes that have SGX technology inside of them, you know, so you are limiting yourself in terms of the portability um, of your, of your solution. But my assumption is, if you're the sort of organization that requires the, you know, the the level of confidentiality of SGX, you could probably pay for those instances anyway. So, you (laughs) know, that's, that's, that's my sort of, um, you know, uh, thought process on it. Um, if, you're, if you're willing to go to that level then you're probably willing to put the the the, the, the funds into to make sure you're you know you're fully secure all the way down
1: okay so we're saying that in effect level one and level two is configuration of the vm as you deploy it and then it's done you're in those modes or those scenarios and then three is that choice again but your software has to support the, the the technology so yeah okay
0: yeah exactly and you know theoretically you could run level three without any of the other protections in place because you're going you know app process all the way down to the processor you know at, at that point so um yeah but from a you know one and two from a day-to-day users perspective it's just a different skew you know there's, there's nothing more to it than that cool Okay. So, Alan, um that's a quick I mean 47 minutes on <laughs> um <laughs> confidential computing. I hope I covered it. It's it's an area that I'm uh keeping my eye on more closely because um we do have requirements for highly confidential information to be processed and stored. So, this is a really good, you know, um uh, way of doing that and keeping it in the, you know, the forefront of our our thinking when we're architecting solutions um so yeah but hopefully we'll follow up with a Paz confidential comu- computing i think we'll just have a aks you know mad fest of aks <laughs> episode where we 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 try is, and talk about that is that the name of the episode hours. is it <laughs> aks mad fest <laughs> i don't know but it's um yeah it's probably going to be a bit of a beast um that one i must admit um what's the next episode
1: uh, so I'm going to go through uh, securing Office with Microsoft Defender for Office. So talking about the capability within Exchange, as well as some of the other places within SharePoint and OneDrive. So might be a short episode, might not be, but we'll see. Um, there's a lot in there. There's a lot in there. Um, and it's growing as as always, and it builds that XDR um, story as well.
0: So Excellent. Um, so if you've enjoyed this episode please do consider subscribing if you'd like to listen to more of this sort of content in the future Uh, we have many more topics that we'd like to cover and your listens and support is what will continue to fuel the podcast going forward
1: we also have the ability for you to give us some feedback did you enjoy this episode disagree with what sam said um did we miss anything um please use the form in the in the notes for the for the episode and leave some feedback we'd love to hear from you
0: Cheers. Thanks, Alan. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Catch you next week.
1: Yes. Thanks, Sam, for a great episode. And yep, speak to you soon, guys and girls. Bye.